The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Welcome back to another program, Afternoons with Mike Her Daily here on the Shepherd Radio Network. You know, a lot of people are looking at all the things going on in the world today and they're saying, what is going on? We need somebody to do something. I hear that all the time. Well, I'm happy to say that I've got somebody on the line today from Washington, D.C. that has actually picked that mantle up, and and he is absolutely doing something. I'd like to uh, welcome Frank Gaffney to our program. Frank, welcome. Mike, it's great to be with you. Thank you for having me. Well, it's great to have you here. Now, friends, let me give you just a little bit of background about Frank. He's the founder and executive chairman of the Center for Security Policy in Washington, D.C. Now, that's a nonprofit, a nonpartisan educational group that was established in 88. Now, before that, let me tell you that this, especially for our listeners that might be a little uh, older, they will more than appreciate this bit. In April of 87, Mr. Gaffney was nominated by President Reagan to become the Assistant Secretary of Defense for International Security Policy, a senior position now in the Defense Department with responsibility for policies that involved the U.S. and Russia relations, also nuclear forces, arms control, and missile defense. Uh, What an honor to be able to talk to you, sir, and welcome again to the program. Thank you. So, you know, we're living in this day and age again. uh, You talk about security. That's a word, you know, I think of the Bible word. It says when they cry peace and safety, then comes sudden destruction. So we all know that security is something everyone says they want. And yet we're living in a day and an age right now where security, especially at the border, security in our country Uh, with regards to nations like China and what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. Uh, That's like a lost art right now. Would you agree? You know, I've got a variation on exactly what you've said that I've long believed is uh, frighteningly true. And that is, you know, there's a lot of talk about uh, genetic engineering these days, uh, notably in connection with the Wuhan virus, but we've, it seems to me, genetically modified, if you will, the body politic in our country to remove the gene. Well, it's the survival instinct in a way, but certainly it's what I call security mindedness. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we've become so accustomed to uh, this idea that we're the world's only superpower and the dollar is supreme and, you know, nobody's going to take us on, that we've really lost sight of what a dangerous place the world is, uh, how many adversaries are champing at the bit, basically, to take us on, and uh, how our lack of attention to that is uh, is actually an invitation to them to do so. It's extremely dangerous. Yeah, and this seems to be going on while Washington and the media, I might add, they're just looking the other way. It's almost like, yeah, it's okay. It's kind of going on. Yeah, if they're asked about it, they turn around and walk away. And this is very frustrating. And as I mentioned in my introduction, a lot of people are saying, we need to do something. What can be done? And you've got this thing now called the Sovereignty Coalition. Tell us about that, Frank. Well, this is a prime example of what is going on. That, um, as you say, I mean, it's not just that the media is sort of looking the other way, really. It's that they're saying, look over there. You know, look at that shiny dangling object over there. And so whether it's, you know, Donald Trump's latest uh, dramas or whether it's, um, you know, a a, a crisis here, a domestic problem there, we are being deflected from paying attention to what I consider to be a mortal threat to our country. 
and that's because it's being done uh, sort of outside of our country that uh, it's harder for us to be thinking about or focusing on. But uh, it's very real, and it would have very, very dire implications for us here at home. What is it? It's something called generically now global governance. Right. And that's a euphemism. We used to call it one world government or, you know, the, the, the globalists have got different names. Global reset is another name for it. But mm-hmm. basically what is being done under our noses by the Biden administration, among others, the Chinese Communist Party, the World Economic Forum in Davos, um, Bill Gates, uh, the big pharma and the like – they are trying to get power concentrated in the World Health Organization that would give it the ability not simply to advise, as it has in the past, about public health emergencies that might affect any given country or multiple countries, but actually to give it the authority not only to dictate what is a public health emergency, but then to dictate what is to be done by any given country, including ours, about it. Mm -hmm. And in the case of public health, or a public health emergency of international concern, as they call it, uh, that could be just about anything. It doesn't have to be pandemics. It doesn't even have to be really a public health problem. You could have things like, oh, I don't know, gun violence, or climate change, or, you know, insufficient access to abortion, or the idea of um, uh, inadequate care for undocumented migrants. I mean, any of these public policy problems that are, you know, very much present in our country at the moment, um, a subject of controversy and debate and so on, but we have a process under our constitution for addressing those, we have an accountable government, more or less, that is uh, supposed to be responsible for doing so, and uh, that you know we can take the task if they don't. The idea is to move all of that to wholly unaccountable international bureaucrats and let them determine um, our fate in very material ways. And and if this all sounds as though it's you know, um, hyperbole, just reflect back to what happened in what I call pandemic Mm 1.0, the COVID virus. Uh, It was the World Health Organization that, again, just had advisory authority at the time, but it was telling us lies, lies about the origins, about the nature and, and that's, about the appropriate that's been... response to the Wuhan virus. And it was also telling us that we needed to adopt as a as a course of action in response to it something they call the China model. Mm-hmm. And you'll recall that <laughs> involved masks right. and quarantines and lockdowns and mandates for jabs, vaccinations, so-called, that were not adequately tested, and, and vaccine passports as well to enforce Those mandates. This was all right out of the Chinese Communist Party's playbook, and that's not an accident because they largely run the World Health Organization. So for all these reasons, Mike, our sovereignty coalition is trying earnestly to say to people, if you don't want all of that on steroids, if you don't want having Xi Jinping, the dictator of communist China, telling your doctor how you can be treated – or you know whether your kids are going to be forced out of school or you know forced to wear masks or forced to take a jab or whatever else then we need you to join us at the sovereigntycoalition.org we have there what we call the American Sovereignty Declaration and it basically says look for all these reasons we have to get out of the World Health Organization we need to exit it and uh, people can go 
sign that declaration if they would, but also um, use a device there called a line act that will enable you to get in touch directly with your representative in the House of Representatives, and your two senators, to tell them you want them to work to get us out of the World Health Organization as well. That's sovereigntycoalition.org. From your standpoint, Frank, uh, this most important need, and we've all, I believe, gained that suspicion about uh, the WHO, the World Health Organization, and lost all sorts of confidence, not only in them, but the spokespeople like uh, Tony Fauci, who talked to us every night. And a lot of what we've now learned was never the truth. It wasn't right. And even this week, there's stuff coming out of the, the last couple of weeks about uh, people in, in the know are now saying, yeah, it might well have been an escape from the lab in Wuhan that caused COVID to begin with. So all of this is is kind of out there. It's going on. Uh, People need to know and people need to believe. I guess the question is, here in Florida, we've got a couple of Republican senators. Uh, Do you feel that those that are on that side of the aisle are doing enough to draw attention to this need of, of sovereignty that is being really challenged? Well, look, I think the Republican senators have um, been better than their Democratic counterparts. Um, interestingly enough, about two weeks ago, my uh, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin um, offered an amendment that said any any negotiation that results in an agreement coming out of the World Health Organization, and that's where this is now, you know, taking place, uh, has to be submitted to the Senate as a treaty for its constitutional sort of quality control, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the advice and consent role of the Senate. Forty-nine Democratic senators voted down Ron Johnson's amendment. Forty-seven Republican senators said yes, but they weren't sufficient. So the Senate's position as of right now is they don't want to be bothered thinking about this problem, let alone debating it, let alone voting on it. So uh, Republican senators, it seems to me, need to be heard from now, uh, raising the dickens about what's going on here. Uh, And your senators down there, I think uh, Senator Scott in particular, has been rather better on this. But uh, we're not hearing nearly enough from him or um, Senator Rubio or, for that matter, the the rest of the Republicans in the Senate other than Ron Johnson. and, And we do need to hear from them right quick. Yeah, I agree. Now, this effort to defund, again, we know that the the current administration is uh, kind of like deflecting all of that away from it. And there's not been even, I would think, the kind of uh, denunciation from some of the information that has been put out by not only the administration, but by uh, Fauci uh, to begin with. So I guess the the next effort is the organization. You're, You're trying to gain people and is that is that like uh, just uh, grassroots power that you're wanting to use at this point? Well, it's such an important um, factor in whether our elected representatives pay any attention to problems, isn't it? Mm-hmm. If they hear from constituents, especially large numbers of constituents, um, that there is something they're very concerned about, chances are those elected representatives are going to be better on the subject than if they don't. So, and, and, and that feature that I mentioned at SovereigntyCoalition.org that puts you in touch with those members gives you the option of sending them an email, which is important, and we encourage you to do that very quickly. Just a click of a mouse basically takes care of it. But it also gives you their phone numbers and enables you to make a call. And uh, we've had about 60,000 calls made in the space of the past week or so. We need to have many, many more, because if it happens that people start finding their phone lines melting down, as they say, upon Capitol Hill, it makes a huge difference. And uh, I I wouldn't be urging this on your audience if I didn't think that this may well be the end of our republic if this kind of global governance is allowed um, to go, you know, forward unchecked and essentially crush not only our national sovereignty, but our personal sovereignty. Again, I mentioned this idea that, uh, you know, Xi Jinping, the dictator of communist China, could have some say over whether you get the medical treatment you need. 
maybe it's in the course of another pandemic. Maybe it's for some other reason. But but it's uh, it's something that his proxy at the World Health Organization is going to tell you is uh, well, you can't you know for example take ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, which were cheap and very effective therapies for COVID. It turns out. Mm-hmm. But the Chinese Communist Party didn't want you to do that. Big Pharma didn't want you to do that. Bill Gates didn't want you to do that. Tony Fauci didn't want you to do that. The CDC didn't want you to do that. And lo and behold, none of that was possible. And that's just when the World Health Organization had advisory power. I'm telling you that if they get the power to compel us to do what they tell us, um, our sovereignty is, in fact, crushed. Yeah. So it's very important, and we need to hear that. I think uh, just as we've all learned that not everything that was told about the vaccine was accurate, it wasn't uh, as safe uh, as it was uh, we were told, and it wasn't as effective at preventing COVID. In fact, at one point, the president, uh, Biden, he actually said that if you get the jab, you won't get the COVID, and, and that we know was not true. In fact, just the opposite seems to have happened. So these are warnings that we really need to take seriously, right? Indeed. You know, look, it'd be one thing if the vaccines just didn't work as advertised. What we've learned is they were deadly yeah. in a lot of cases or, or caused unbelievable harm. I've seen some statistics, by the way, Mike, out of the Defense Department. And this is, of course, uh, a cohort of people who are extremely healthy as a general rule, uh, young, fit, and so on. And by some estimates, one out of nine of the people who have been injected with these vaccines in that group. And many of them, by the way, did it unwillingly. They were compelled to take those jabs. Uh, One out of nine have either been killed outright, they've been permanently harmed, or they've been temporarily but very severely harmed. Mm. And you can imagine what that translates into into the larger population of people who are obese or people who are old or people who are, you know, simply not healthy. And and so the point is that public health has been very sorely tried in this pandemic exercise. And so have the you know, the authorities who are responsible for it in our country. It can only get worse. Right. I'm afraid if uh, we wind up having people, again, who are wholly unaccountable to us uh, in charge in the future. That's right. We must not let that happen. So I encourage everyone, take a, take a look at this declaration. I think you'll find it uh, sensible and um, hopefully something that you can sign on to at SovereigntyCoalition.org and then um, let your representatives know you feel that way. Absolutely. Again, it's the American Sovereignty Declaration, and you can sign it by going to this website, SovereigntyCoalition.org. Frank Gavney, thank you so very much for being with us. And uh, I know that this is a big thing that we all need to pay attention to. Uh, we've we continue to hear much about stuff that's coming out that are pointing that uh, this is not just a conspiracy theory here. You're talking about some things that weigh deeply into consequences for our American life and our sovereignty. So thank you for what you're doing. Well, I thank you for helping me do it. And uh, Godspeed, Mike. God to bless you as well. Thank you, sir. And we'll be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, EC Waters is a top train comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Here we are now with segment two on the program and on the line with me, Mike Rideout from Gainesville. Mike is a sports broadcaster and has been for a long time. He's also a writer and he actually is employed by our sister organization in Gainesville and that is called Main Street Daily News. Mike, welcome to the program. Mike, thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate you having me. Well, it is great to talk with you. I get to see you occasionally, not so much anymore since we stopped doing all of the Zoom <laughs> meetings that we once did. 
I've been up there, I think, once or twice when you were in the building in the studios in Gainesville, and you are beyond that a longtime broadcaster. Uh, we're here today, and I want to get this up front about an event that's coming this coming Saturday. It's actually happening tomorrow now in Gainesville as this show is airing on Friday 1st. So for those listening to the replay later on podcast, it actually was taking place on the 22nd in Gainesville. And then again, it comes to Orlando the next weekend. It's called All Pro Dad. So tell us about this thing, man. Yeah, I'm not sure where the one in Orlando will be held, but I know that it's May the 6th. But you're right, for Saturday, the All-Pro Dad Experience, it's actually returning to the University of Florida campus for the first time in six years. Uh, last time they had this in Gainesville was 2017, but it's pretty really a, a pretty neat event for kids and their dads uh, because it will give them a chance to have a bonding experience, but to do it where the Gators practice. They're holding this thing at the Sanders Indoor Facility on the campus of the University of Florida from 9 a.m. to noon on Saturday. Now, due to NCAA regulations, only children ages 0 through 12 and or up to 8th grade are allowed to participate in the event. The cost is $25 per family. But if you're a Gator fan, I mean, I'm sure your kids are a Gator fan. I know that I got into the Gators because of my dad. Uh, So what a great opportunity to listen to Coach Napier speak. He'll be there on Saturday. And then also they have all these different uh, types of events going on, uh, football drills, touchdown dance. I mean, all all kind of fun stuff for the kids on on Saturday. Now you mentioned Orlando. It's going to be held at what used to be called the Citrus Bowl. It's at Camping World Stadium, and that's where it will be held in Orlando on the 6th of May. And all you have to do is just go to allprodads.com all pro dad, I should say, dad.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, you can just follow the links, find out where, just go uh, to the point that it asks for uh, upcoming uh, events, and you'll see that Gainesville and Orlando are prominently displayed right up front. So, this event, now you mentioned Coach Napier is going to be there. Any other celebrities in football are, will be there as well? That's a good question. I'm not sure if he is going to have his staff. I, I know that Coach Napier mentioned that he really believes in the impact of family uh, and the impact that we have as fathers. He wants to do everything that he can to make sure this is a, is a great experience. So I wouldn't be surprised if if he's got, who knows, Coach Furrier could uh, pop in. Uh, You never know. I mean, he's always on campus, obviously. So, uh, but yeah, just a a great opportunity. You know, if you're a a Gator fan, you get to go step on the field where the Gator football team practices. You know, Uh, how cool is that? That is so great. I've been privileged to be down actually in the tunnel and got to touch the the head of the Gator like all the players do before we ran out. And this was all because yeah. of a young man that was a walk-on back in uh, the, oh my goodness, this would be back in the 2005 range, part of the championship team era. Uh, Billy Latsko, mm-hmm. uh, his folks yeah. are good friends, and uh, Billy's a good friend now in Jacksonville, but uh, he took our, a group from Orlando and our church back then in Gainesville uh, through the uh, the whole area, the workout room. The, and this was all before this new area that you described while ago for where it will be held. Uh, but we got to go down in the locker room and see that. And uh, again, the weight room and watch some of the guys work out. That in itself was rather mind-blowing, but then we got to go out the tunnel and actually play out on the field. That was, you're right when you say, Mike, it's it's an experience for the kids. They'll never forget, yeah. right? Absolutely, and it's funny, uh, Billy Lasko, showing my age of just a little bit, I used to broadcast his games in high school. He played here in Gainesville. At, at Buholtz High School. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, to, to just to be able to be on the field where the, the Gators play, uh, to be able to see Coach Napier up in person. I mean, you know, I know what it was like for me as a kid growing up. Uh, I got into the Gators, like I said, because of my dad. But I, I really, the first year I became a season ticket holder was 1979, Mike. I was 11 years old. Oh and you can't say that I am not a true Gator fan 
because in 1979, Florida did not win a single game. They went 0-10-1. And I know how special it was for me at the age of you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 years of age just to be around Gators, uh, just to be even at the facility. I mean, as a kid, as a youngster, it really is something that you'll remember for a lifetime. You know, I think a lot of people don't give credit due to the Gator fans because uh, sometimes the media has painted them as so fickle. And there are moments in that, Mm -hmm. I guess, in any team at all. But the truth of it is, those people still came out there that year and they backed the Gators even though they had not won a game. I mean, that's some pretty serious care right there. And of course, the Gators grew through all of that. And Coach... Spurrier came on the scene, and when Coach Spurrier came, things changed there, and it changed quickly. We had a chance recently, uh, John Crossman and I had a chance to uh, interview Danny Werfel, and boy, you talk about a fun thing. That was a blast. Yeah, Danny Werfel, uh, also another guy I got a chance to broadcast his state championship game when he was in high school. Uh, So, you know, what a phenomenal player he was. Um, you know, might be debatable who's better, him, Tim Tebow, when you think about the all-time great quarterback. Right. Even pro Steve Spurrier in there since he won a Heisman Trophy. But, but yeah, I mean, these kids look up to and, and idolize these these players. So, again, just a great opportunity on Saturday. You know, they're going to get a chance to do stuff like the field goal challenge. They've got a quarterback toss, uh, a strength showdown. Uh, and, again, all, it's all about bonding with dads and their kids through on-field activities, you know, these games and so much more. So not only the opportunity to be on the same field where the Gators practice, but to be able to do this with their dad, who they probably idolize a lot more anyway. <laughs> so uh, it's just going to be a fun three hours uh, on Saturday. It's going to be a lot of fun with this all-pro dad experience. You know, it sounds like it will be, Mike. And, you know, that there couldn't be something, couldn't be anything more important than that very thing you've described, the fun with dads, when so many mm-hmm. college players today, they don't have that experience growing up. They're, they don't have a dad in the house. And sadly, to see how many places in America right now, the nuclear family of a dad and a mom being part of the a component of the household is just not a reality for them. So this is a really great bonding time, and we're going to see a lot of what I believe is not only God's will for us, but it's it's just part of a, the American heritage that we've had here. And I, I'm grateful that I grew up in a home with a mom and a dad and a yeah. supportive one at that. Now, I don't have the feeling that I was quite the athlete that you were, but I played little league ball and uh, my dad was there. Uh, then later there was a season when uh, the, we there was a team in Evansville. You may remember this story when uh, it was a tragic story about the Purple Aces team that died in a plane crash. Well, years before that in Evansville, at University of Evansville, we went every every game that season with my dad. So I grew up with my dad, not only being a supporter of me playing, but making it happen in his busy schedule as a hard worker. Uh, He made sure that that year I went to every Purple Aces game and uh, even got to go in to meet the players, including uh, Wayne Boltinghouse, Buster Briley, and somebody you know, Jerry Sloan, got to meet him back in the day. So That's awesome, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, that's some of my fondest memories that I have with my dad. You know, we're centered around going to Gator games. We lived in Jacksonville, so uh, that was the, the time that really uh, my, I guess, my dad's side of the family, when we had season tickets to the games, a lot of times I didn't see that side of the family until football season, so that made me appreciate going to Gator games even more, the fact that I got to spend time with family that I didn't get to see that often, maybe holidays, uh, but uh, Gator Gator games were always special, just making the trip down, uh, or yeah, making the trip down from, from Jacksonville to be able to go to the games, it's, it's memory, you know, lots of memories that I shared with my dad. 
That is really exciting. And I know that that made a big influence on you and you're growing up. And I just feel sad for so many kids today who don't have that as their background. And they've spent most of their time just kind of isolated on a video game as opposed to being out playing sports or watching games the way you did. Uh, It really matters. Mm -hmm. Hey, let me ask a question about you personally. Now, you've mentioned your dad and his influence on you. What was it that caused you to want to go into sports broadcasting? (laughs) <laughs> All right, so a, a kind of a funny story, I guess. Um, when I graduated from high school, heck, even when I went to community college in Jacksonville, I didn't know what I wanted to do for a living. When I was growing up as a kid, I thought, well, you know, my dad was a state trooper. I thought maybe a policeman. Then I thought law, uh, being a lawyer, and I'm like, no, I don't want to go to law school for that long. But the one thing that was constant in my life was sports, not just the Gators, but my love of sports. So whenever I graduated, after I graduated from community college and I went to the University of North Florida, I was in a communications class and the teacher told me that the baseball coach was looking for a radio announcer for the upcoming baseball season. Well, before that, I would watch games on TV with my friends and I would make a comment And then the announcer would make like the same exact comment. And my (laughs) friends would tell me, hey, you know what you're talking about. Why don't you do something like that? So when that opportunity presented itself at UNF, I went out and talked to the baseball coach, Dusty Rhodes, not the wrestler. But Dusty Rhodes (laughs) told me, hey, listen, Mike, unfortunately, the position's already been filled. But why don't you do the public address announcing? And if you stick with it, who knows what will happen you know, you might just get an opportunity. So I said, okay, no problem. So me and one of the baseball players who was injured and out for the year split the PA duties at UNF. This was in 1990. Okay, so we go way back with my my broadcast career. And then in uh, 1991, the guy that had been broadcasting on radio the year before ended up taking a job with the Jacksonville Suns, which was the minor league baseball team in Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. So that opened the door. For um, for me and the guy that I was sharing the PA duties, we both got a chance to broadcast on the radio in 1991. Well, that year, and they were competing at the NAIA level back then, that year UNF made it to the College World Series in Lewiston, Idaho. They liked me better than the other guy on radio, so they flew me out to Lewiston, Idaho to broadcast the NAIA World Series in oh, 1991. And I always say the rest is history. <laughs> right. Oh, that is so cool. And, you know, your willingness to put yourself into that uh, second job that wasn't quite your aim, but your willingness mm-hmm. to do that puts you in position then to be considered for it when it did open up. That's really great, man. Yeah, and I share that experience. I teach a play-by-play class at the University of Florida. I've been doing it now for about six years, and I tell my students all the time, listen, even if you don't know if you would like it, If you get an opportunity in the field that you want to work, try it because you never know if you would like something more than than others. For example, I've had people that thought they wanted to be a play-by-play announcer, but then they did the color commentating, which is, you know, you basically have your play-by-play announcer, which draws the picture, and then your color commentator kind of colors it in. So I've had people that have done a game thinking they wanted to do play-by-play, but then did color and then said, oh, I, I actually like this better. Or, as I've also referenced before, too, never turn down an opportunity, even if you feel like it's beneath you. Mm-hmm. I got a chance to uh, help out with some NFL games, started out as a runner, then I started keeping stats, and then next thing you know, I'm in the booth standing next to Tony Romo and Jim Nance producing games. Oh, so my you goodness. never know when an opportunity might lead to another opportunity. So I always tell my students, never turn down an opportunity, even if you think it's beneath you, because you never know, number one, what it could lead to. And you also never know, um, you know, it's all about connections. So it, it's something that will help you down the road. And I've been able, been blessed to, to do all kinds of things, my own TV show, show my own radio show. But to be able to broadcast play-by-play, that was always the biggest thing for me. And I even made a comment uh, that, you know, even if I had to uh, pick up cans on the side of the road, that play-by-play was the direction I wanted to go. And I probably am, you could probably count on 
one hand, less than a few fingers probably, the number of people, especially at their alma mater, who had the opportunity to broadcast at the NAIA Division II and Division I level. I got a chance to broadcast UNF as they were going through those three different phases. That's like your very first game is the Super Bowl, man. I mean, that's pretty crazy. I know, yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, Mike, tell us about your, we got a couple of minutes left here. Tell us about your duties okay. with Main Street Daily News. Well, as you mentioned, I, I do broadcast, but I also write. So you can find, uh, on the average, I'd say about seven articles a week. I'm writing for Main Street Daily News. We just released our all-area team for soccer. It's uh the Boss Art Realty All Area Teams. We do this for football, basketball, baseball, softball. But now we've added soccer. We're adding track all area this spring. And in the fall, we'll have a golf all area team. Uh, that's just kind of part of what we do. We broadcast a couple of games each week. Uh, and then we'll have recaps on our website. In fact, we got a game. To, um, I'll cover a game tonight. Brantford is playing at Union County. Brantford is, is second in the state in 1A. Mm-hmm. Both those teams are in our coverage area. So a big softball game that I'll write a recap tonight. And then tomorrow, we've got Trenton at Oak Hall Baseball that we'll broadcast. It's actually our third base, our third broadcast this week. Uh, and then last night, I, I do a weekly radio show. We had the Santa Fe baseball team on our show last night. Uh, that's archived at theprepzone.com. So, yeah, we we do a lot of high school stuff, but I think it's kind of unique for us because we've created a little niche. I basically took what I was doing at the Prep Zone, which I I founded and and built, um, and and kind of taken that to Main Street now. And it's um, because you can go you can go get Gator stuff anytime, anywhere. Mm -hmm. But high schools aren't always covered as much. Yes, the Gainesville Sun is here. Uh, but I feel like we do a really good job of covering the 22 schools that I'm resp- responsible for. I think we do a pretty good job of, with our high school coverage. Well, you do a great job. Now, the event, we're about out of time. The event that Mike referenced earlier, the All Pro Dad event, is going to be held Saturday. That's tomorrow. And it's going to be at the Sanders Indoor Practice Facility. All you have to do to sign up is go to allprodad.com. Get your tickets there. Don't miss this event because it's going to be great. The time is 9 till noon, 9 a.m. till noon. Mike Rideout, thanks for being with me today. I enjoyed it, Mike. Thanks so much for the time. All right, and we'll be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Here we are again, segment three, and back in the studio with me, my friend John Crossman. Welcome back, John. Always a pleasure to hang out with my good friend, Mike, my boss, oh, yeah. my partner. <laughs> You're a good dude. Thanks for all you do for me. Oh, thank you, John. You know, we've got to talk about your shows for just a moment. Uh, you call me that. I'm just privileged to produce it. I am not his boss, my friends, uh, but it is great to get to spend the kind of time, and yeah. I get to be that little fly on the wall listening. Yeah. To all of these amazing business people that you host on, for, first of all, the Crossman Conversation, mm-hmm. and you have more than just business people on that one. You've Correct. had celebrities down to uh, politicians to... Not down to politicians. Well, no, no, I, I said that wrong. And, and, and politicians, Mike. <laughs> that was... you, you were saying there's a broad spectrum. <laughs> That's right. Broad spectrum, right? <laughs> Right, I, I stand corrected. <laughs> I, that was a Freudian slip right yeah. there. I'm afraid. No, no, you you have people that are business people. You have pastors. Yeah, for sure. Uh, kind of like what I have on my own program. A yeah. wide range of people. Wide range. Yeah. But on the CEO, you've got now these people that are in charge of companies. Yeah. Maybe uh, overseeing great um, real estate firms mm-hmm. and and movements. Uh, it, it's really exciting. And you guys are doing it. The first one is called the Crossman Conversation. And that airs across the network on The Shepherd at 1.05 every Saturday. And then the second one is the Crossman Conversation CEO edition. That uh, That's on a couple of different times across the network. 10.05 in Orlando and uh, 11.05 in the uh, markets of Ocala and Gainesville. So it's on 
across the network, just different times. So these programs are great, man. You have great guests. I don't know how you do it. Well, I thank you so much. You know, first off, thanks for your partnership on that. I think I think you and I make a good balance, you know, in that as far mm-hmm. as our approaches. And I think the other thing too, to for your listeners, it's like, um, you know, I I am a conservative Christian guy. Like you like know who I am. That's that's who I am. When I have my guests, I try to find great experts in the topic of the day. Some of them align with me theologically, some don't. Uh, but I'm not getting into theology with them, I'm getting into the business issue. Right. Uh, you and I are aligned on stuff. Right. So so it's a little bit different from that context. Uh, it's because some of the guests are we're on the same page, some we're not. But on the on the topic, and so I'm trying to think, what's the best business person on this specific topic? Like, so right. we did one about malls, the redevelopment of malls, or we're talking about you know capital markets, and then I really like always asking about leadership, right? And uh, we always circle back to a lot of the same topics when we talk about leadership, and humility, and being coachable, things like that. You know, I grew up in a time, John, where the the uh, differences between let's say what's going on in a business world and what was going on in the church. Uh, there was not a lot of interplay. There was not a lot of crossover. In this day and age, we hear the term marketplace ministry. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I believe you do as well as anybody that I've ever seen. I mean, you told a story one time of uh, your, like uh, you, it was at a, a convenience store and you mm-hmm. drop by there every day and you just showed care and love to the person without cramming religion down her throat or anything like that. Uh, that's, that's what you do. You live your life out. And the amazing thing that I love about you is that you have doors open in both arenas, both in the Christian arena, but also in the secular world as well. Yeah. And you're, you're uh, handling those waters really well, man. Well, I'm trying. Sometimes I'm drowning, Mike. That's why I need you. <laughs> what I would just say this quickly is that, um, some people are very segmented. It's like I have my family life, I have my church life, my work life, and mine are all blended all the time. Like mine are blended all the time. And any you know, example might be is like there's always nights where I go home from work and my wife goes to bed and my, you know, I got one kid, daughter left at home and she goes to bed and I'll start doing emails. I'll start doing work. Right. And and so in my brain, I'm kind of both camps all the time. So that's how my mind works. And I think reality, that's how humans a lot of times work. So Hopefully the door are open for people to have healthy conversations and whatever that looks like. Like churches have gotten in trouble because they're so focused on church stuff that they didn't run their business well, mm-hmm. right? And businesses have done badly sometimes because they're trying to run the business, but they've lost their humanity, lost their kindness or compassion. Um, so I do think them they need to be different. You know, there are some things that are run differently, but the fluidity of in some spaces makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think it does. And, you know, I saw your name back when I lived in Gainesville. And I came across the name one time at a Publix and I saw the name Crossman and Crossman. And, you know, I, I remembered that. I, I saw it and uh, the developers and I, I never had a dream. It was like one of those passing things. You see it. And I remember that. Then I moved to in 2019. We moved back down and I all of a sudden I'm being told about this guy named John Crossman who recently retired at that point in time uh, at the age, what, of 48 or 49? So, something like that. Something like, like that, that yeah. yeah. I'm thinking, well, first of all, how does a guy do that, uh, retire at that age? I mean, that's pretty amazing. But fortunately, the reasons that you did got a little bit better and you, <laughs> you're you a busy guy, an industrious guy. You're off now into a couple of new companies. You wrote a book. Yep. And, yep. The, and the book is uh, a bestseller. And it's being used. You, uh, what, 11 scholarships? Is that right? We have 11 scholarships at seven different universities. Even at your university, University of Florida, yes, we have a scholarship yes. there. Go Gators. There yeah. Go. And I have to say that all the time. John, <laughs> you're one of the most, uh, I believe, well-versed in this whole thing of living life with the cultures, the different cultures yeah. of America. And you're such a spokesperson for HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of guests on. Sure. Uh, last week on the Crossman Conversation, you had a couple of students yeah, from sure. Bethune-Cookman. And so uh, you live in all of these worlds, and I'm just so proud of you, man. I think you are representing the Lord in a marvelous way. Well, I appreciate that. I Listen, when I, when I refer to him as my boss... I do that very purposely because, you know, it's part of a submission and giving authority to you. I'm not an expert in radio. It is your studio. It is your world. And, you know, reason why I say that is I think that some of the success I've had is due to like being able to be coached, being able to have other people pour in. 
there's a lot of things I do that I get wrong. There's a lot of times I don't know. And so I always want to make sure I'm getting good counsel and also really having doors open to get really strong feedback. And so that's why, you know, like if I ever did a show and, and you heard it and you're like, John, I don't know, you, you would tell me, you do tell me. Mm. And, and then we go back and we edit. And so it's important for me to know if you hear and you think, gosh, that's really good. It doesn't happen by accident. There's a lot of people pouring into it that, that makes it quality. Same is true in all aspects of my life. Well, I appreciate that. And it is an honor to get to work with you again. When I go back to Gainesville and I heard the name Crossman, I thought, I've heard that name. And then I found that it was due to your developing. I mean, you had a big history of Publix. Yep. Uh, I don't know how many you did. Do you a even lot, know? A lot. It was a lot. We're, <laughs> we're still, we still do a lot with Publix. They're an outstanding company. We yeah. still do a lot of their client and a partner, and we're doing as much with them as we possibly can. So I have you uh, here for a few more, more minutes in this uh, segment. John, these are times where it's like, uh, economically speaking, it's up and down. Yep. We're seeing some things in the grocery stores come back down finally, mm-hmm. and I'm happy about that. The price of bacon, oh. for crying out loud, has come down a little bit, and I'm mm-hmm. glad for that. But the price of gasoline is shooting back up again. Most places now have it around three seventy-five. Mm-hmm. So we're knocking on that $4 a gallon door again. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing happen in the business? How is this impacting? I know in real estate now, obviously the cost of money oh, yeah. is it, out the roof right now. Well, you know, it's weird. In the big picture, it's like this. In the world of acquiring properties, it's down like 90%. I mean, it's way, way, way down. And the reason why is because A, interest rates being up, and then the, B, um, when you're trying to buy, the, uh, the seller is having trouble figuring out what pricing is. Do they price it to exactly today? Or you know, is this going to maintain? Or should they hold? And so a lot of people are not selling because they don't know. Right. There's that aspect. On the other side, businesses are still expanding. Like the shopping centers we own are leasing. The developments we're doing, people are interested in. So it's, a, it's interesting that you know, during the Great Recession, it was all bad news. In this market, it's like some things are going well and some things are at a stop. And that's funny, you know, because you don't typically see that kind of breakdown in, uh, between one part good and one part bad. You know, it, that happened in COVID. Mm-hmm. And there were some businesses that uh, really gained in value during that very difficult time. Others shuttered their doors. Well, I think that really the answer to your question that, that would stay to vice people is it's it's living a life of being able to pivot, right? You know, like you go to what's happening, you know, like in sports, if you, you can have a game plan, if you're a football team, but like you start the game and the running games work, you're playing a passing, but the running games work and run the ball, right? Like that's what you do. Or your basketball coach and one player is like a, maybe you're not your lead player, but they get hot and they're hitting, feed them the ball, right? So mm-hmm. I think that we need to live that way too. As consumers, you know, if you're, if gas prices go up, then you adjust and pivot and go another direction. If they come back down, you pivot that way. So you know, I think that we want to have lives that are very stable. As humans, we kind of like, well, I want things that are consistent. <laughs> you know, I want yeah. the same thing. I want to know everything's all right and things are the same thing. But the reality doesn't work that way, right? Yeah. So we have to be wise and discerning and pivot as necessary. I think your advice and your viewpoints are not only accurate. I mean, they're very respected around Central Florida. It wasn't just a couple of years ago that you, and you would never say this, so I can say it. You were given the title of one of the top 10 CEOs in the area in Central Florida. That's pretty amazing. Maybe even in Florida. So uh, this kind of viewpoint that you have, it impacts. I know when, you know, they'll joke about E.F. Hutton, when E.F. Hutton speaks. I have a feeling that when John Crossman has an opinion about something happening in real estate, I think a lot of people listen. And and so that's that's really a, a kudos to you, man. Well, I appreciate that. You're kind to say that. I will tell you that when I hear you say that, what hits me is the responsibility with that, right? And you want to be thoughtful about what you're saying, how you're saying it. And... Um, not everything hits people the same way, right? Sometimes I say something and I, and I feel really good about it, but man, people get angry, <laughs> you mm. know? And so you have to have some thick skin and, and, and resolve because sometimes people get angry, but they're saying something that, that they're right. And then I need to apologize and be humble and accept it. Other times I'm right and they're wrong. And I, I don't want to be disrespectful to them because, you know, they have their reasons for having a position. You know, we live in a society of people get very much like you're for this, and if you're not for this, I'm against you. And polarizing, I, pol- polarizing. Yeah. I'm like, guys, you know, a lot of times things are things are complicated. It's it, like one of the funniest ones is I'll say, um, uh, you know, President Trump when he was president, 
was very supportive of HBCUs. Now, when I say that, that doesn't mean I'm endorsing him for president. It doesn't mean I'm endorsing every single decision he's ever made. I'm saying on that issue, I support him. What's funny is I've had people yell at me and say, well, he didn't do that. I guess he did. It's like a story fact, right? Yeah. And again, guys, can we just, can you just you know, walk w- with me here on this issue? He did that. And I'm glad he did that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so to me, and I, by the way, when I've said that, I've had people on both sides get very angry with me. Isn't yeah. that crazy? It's crazy. <laughs> I'm like, guys, you know, can we, we can agree on that. And so I'm always trying to find that space of where can we make impact and make a difference. And, uh, but I also want to be thoughtful and responsible about what I'm saying. There's many, Mike, I hold my tongue a ton of times because I'm, I don't want to come across in an emotional space or over the top. I'm trying to use things that are helpful. Well, you do, John, and it's a real honor for us to have these programs. Two different slants uh, about conversations with John Crossman heard every Saturday. So that's going to be tomorrow again in Orlando at 10.05 for CEO edition at uh, 11.05 tomorrow for the CEO in Gainesville and also Ocala. And then uh, at 105 across the network, it's the original Crossman Conversation. And uh, it's always interesting. You always have great guests. And it's really fun to be a part of those programs. So, hey, we've only got another minute. Uh, Just your thoughts ahead here. What's going on in the world with uh, this whole thing about AI? You know anything about that in your business? Yeah, a little bit. Here's what I want to tell you. I don't know. Maybe it was four years ago, five years ago. I sat through a presentation in a conference. I don't know what. I was in some big city. (laughs) Maybe I was in Boston. I don't know. And the presentation was on an augmented reality. And it was when they had the whole Pokemon, you know, issue. Yeah, right. And there was a shopping center somewhere where the Pokemon was on top of the sign. And so they had to put 24-hour security around the property because people were climbing on ladders to try to get... It was craziness. And when the presentation I got done, I could feel my blood pressure going up because I was so nervous. And I looked at the guy next to me. I'm like, are you stressed out? He's like, I'm totally stressed out. And we started thinking we're going to have to redo every document. And here's what's funny, Mike. All these years later, you know what's happened with that? Nothing. 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 Yeah. Nothing. So I I say that to say balance, right? Like we need to like technology changes. We need to take it in and understand it. But we also need to make sure that we are regulated and and, and don't uh, over the over the top respond. That's so it's, good. It's absolutely. Oh, you must remember this. There's always counter punches, right? Like somebody's like, well, this new technology. Well, there's going to be another technology that pushes back on that. So. Let's learn about it, but let's uh, regulate. That's what I'm trying to say. And there's this good old-fashioned thing called trusting God, too. That's, <laughs> right. That's also important. Yeah. That's very important. John Crossman, thanks for being with me in this segment. Hope you have a great weekend, friends. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow to the Crossman Conversation. And we'll see you next week. This is Afternoons with Mike right here on The Shepherd.